uh, I wanted to kind of have a look at um, a guy named Paul. Uh, no, not that Paul. Yes, that Paul. So Paul from the Bible. If you're familiar at all with the Bible, you probably come across this guy before. If you're not, that's fine. Just know that he is a very important dude. Um, in fact, apart from Jesus, Paul is probably the most talked about human in history. If you think about that for a second. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty good. I know I'm probably top five or six, but it's still pretty impressive. Uh, so that's, that's good. He either wrote or was written about for nearly 40% of the New Testament of the Bible. So he was a central figure, especially after the time of Jesus. As a Jewish leader, he used to be against the church because the Jewish leaders thought that Jesus was a very dangerous heretic, which is why they, they killed him. Uh, but then Jesus got his hands on him and he turned into the, one of the most prolific church planters of the first century. So this is Paul. And today we're going to look at a passage where Paul talks a little bit about his own faith. And I wanted to have a look at that because obviously I think that's a, a good sort of mark for us to have a look at when we're looking at our own faith. So let's have a look. It's in Philippians chapter 3. I'm just going to dive in. Uh, starting in the third verse. He says, We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience of the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Now, <clears throat> to our ears, 21st century New Zealand, that doesn't really sound like much of a brag. I mean, I don't know about being circumcised on the eighth day. That doesn't seem like a big deal or any other stuff he mentioned. But you've got to remember, for a first century Jewish leader like Paul, this was an absolute wall of fame of achievements. I mean, he was pretty much the perfect leader born into the right tribe, joined all the right groups, did all the right stuff, he had the right attitudes, the right achievements. I mean, this is a man that everyone would highly respect and trust. Imagine, <clears throat> imagine if I came up here, sat down, and I said, good morning, my name is Hamish Taylor. I was born in New Zealand, but um, I can trace my uh, bloodlines all the way back to royalty in England on my mother's side. And um, I'm a grandson of Sir Edmund Hillary on my father's side. I got my doctorate at Oxford University with the highest of honors. And uh, when I came back to New Zealand, I was the captain of my local rugby team. But I chose not to pursue a professional career because I, I instead wanted to start my business sourcing fair trade organic produce. Uh, sold that for millions of dollars and then really worked on my true passion of working with Greenpeace and mentoring at-risk, underprivileged youths. That's really what I wanted to do. Oh, I also won the Boston Marathon and saved 10 children from a burning orphanage. <coughs> That's pretty awesome, right? I mean, if I said that, you'd be pretty impressed with me. It's a 
screaming pile of lies, all of it, but it would be impressive. I'd have the New Zealander of the Year locked down, right? This is Paul. This is what Paul is saying about himself. He is incredible. He is a superhero of faith. He's got this trophy wall of achievements. Like he says, if anyone can lean on what he has done with his life, if anyone can say, hey, check me out, this is what I've achieved, it's this guy, right? Which kind of makes me wonder a little bit, like, what would you put on your wall? Like, what sort of achievements? You don't have to say that, because, I mean, obviously we're not going to match up with Paul or my fake version of myself, so... But think about the things that you would put up there, your achievements, your degrees, that's a common thing. You know, maybe trophies you've won. I know we've got some sporting people in here. We've got some pretty high achievements along that line. So what would you put up there? We often kind of put the things up that give us our sense of who we are, right? Especially in terms of the way the world looks at us. So the world looks at me as a qualified person based on what my qualifications are, based on my work experience, based on how much money I have, based on the things that I've achieved in the sporting arenas or the political arenas or the social arenas. This is how people view me, and I'm kind of ranked, right? I'm successful or unsuccessful. And Paul is saying, all right, well, check this out. I've got all of this. I am the epitome of success. And then he says this, in verse 7, he says, I once thought these things were valuable. I did. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Paul takes a look at his wall of fame, and he starts ripping stuff down. Here's my achievements. Here's everything that I've done. Here's what makes me awesome. I'm just going to pull it down. I'm going to shove it in a box. It goes in the attic. You know why? Because it's nothing. It's worthless. None of these things matter anymore because I know Jesus. And what he's done makes all of this look pitiful. He said, you know what? Not just my achievements. In fact, everything in my life is going in this box. Everything about me is is worthless compared to to knowing Jesus. In fact, in another chapter of this book, he says, even my life is not worthwhile compared to what Jesus has done. So if I live, great, that's for him. If I die, that's even better because Jesus is going to welcome me into his kingdom. So that's awesome. That's way better. So everything, my life, my achievements, my identity, my success... Everything is going in this box, and it's going in the attic because it's no longer important to me. And he's like, you know what? That's not even good enough. I'm not going to put it in the attic. I'm going to throw it in the rubbish because not only is it worthless compared to Jesus, it's like it's, it's not even something I would keep in the house. In fact, the language that Paul uses is not so much rubbish, Ben, as toilet. The words he actually uses is that everything in his life, everything he's achieved, everything of who he is, everything that he can look at and has done up until this point, it is basically a big steaming pile of, insert your favorite four-letter word for feces here. Right? That's what it is to him. It's yucky. It's gross. Get it out of the house. We don't keep this stuff. It's gone. Flush out. 
It all, none of it matters to Paul as much as being one with Jesus, connecting with Jesus. Isn't that incredible? And he goes on to expand this idea in verse 9. He says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection of the dead. So here Paul is saying not only is all of this worthless, but he's now focusing. I've got a new focus on my life. I've got a new purpose, a new sort of target that I'm shooting for. And it starts with his sense of identity, right? So he says, you know, I don't, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, which means I no longer count on becoming good with God by doing what he's, like following the rules that he put in place. I can't do that. Instead, I encountered good with God by faith, by trusting in him. So by trusting in him, I'm now good. It's got nothing to do with the things that I've done. It's got nothing to do with my achievements or how well I followed the law. Because remember, he followed the law blamelessly. So he was like, man, God's going to like me because I did all of this stuff. And then he realized, no, actually, that's not how it works. God doesn't work that way. God likes me because of what Jesus has done. He likes me because he made me. He likes me because I'm made to look like him. That's the way God does it now. And then he says, okay, so this is who I am. Who I am is someone who follows Jesus. That's it. That's, that's my whole identity. None of this other stuff, just a follower of Jesus. And then he says, my desire, what I'm looking for, what I want to do is to know him more. It's to get to know him as well as I can, to become one with him, to share in all of that he has done, his teaching, his life, even his suffering and his death, I want to share in that because I want the resurrection that came after it as well. So I want everything of Jesus. I think this is a great picture of both identity, who he is, and purpose, what he is doing, right? And so as we look at that, this is the picture, the picture of the perfect Christian, the person who has identified himself as Follower of Jesus, that's it. Nothing else is going to get me there. That's who I am. And my purpose is to grow closer to him as, as much as possible. That is the perfect Christian. And maybe that's why I really struggle with this passage. I don't know about you. I don't know. When I read that sort of thing and I read Paul's zeal and his passion for this, and he's like, yeah, this is what I want. I think I really want to want that too. I really want to see myself like that as well, but I don't. I am so far from this picture of a perfect Christian. And I start getting a little bit demoralized, right? Like I thought I was doing fine. Like I thought I was okay. I thought I was doing all right as a Christian. And then I read this, I'm like, man, I am <laughs> way off the mark. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe in church? <laughs> you've felt that way or when you've listened to a Christian leader or someone and they're talking about this is what we need to do and you're like okay that sounds good but I don't know if I can do that 
I was um, in the United States uh, about 18 months ago, and uh, we were visiting my wife's sister, and uh, her husband had a little pickup basketball game thing that he, that he had on Monday nights, and so we were there, I was like, all right, I'll come along, sure, I mean, I'm not a basketball player by trade, but, you know, I can put a little round thing and a little round hoop thing, it's not so hard. So we go down there, and, you know, we're kind of warming up, there's a bunch of people there, it's just a pickup game, it's casual, it's in a church building, so everything is kind of, you know, supposed to be calm and casual. You're laughing because you know what church league is like. But um, everyone's kind of shooting around, and I'm kind of sizing up the, uh, the competition here. I'm sizing everybody else up, and I'm like, yeah, they're pretty much the same as me. They look physique-wise, you know, no one looks super fit. No one looks so, you know, really young and go get them sort of thing. So I'm like, there's a few people older than me, a few people younger. I, I think I'll be okay here. You know, they're all shooting around and missing about as much as me, so we're fine. So we're all kind of split up into teams, and I'm like, okay, let's do this thing. All right, all right, and go. And I think at the moment they said go, I don't know how this happened, but everybody around on the court dropped 20 pounds and grew a foot. <laughs> like, and suddenly everyone's like running, they're in position, and they're like, you know, passing it off and shooting threes and dribbling the lane and doing all sorts of stuff I didn't even know how to say. And I'm just sitting there like, what just happened? And I'm running back and forth and I'm trying to catch up and I'm <sighs> puffing really hard and I'm kind of tasting blood because my lungs are burning. And, like, I'm trying to get the 70-year-old who's sitting on the bench to, to sub in for me. And these guys are running back and forth. And I was like, I'm a little outmatched here. <laughs> and I sounded like, this is, yeah, I'm nowhere near. First of all, I am dangerously unfit. And second of all, I have nowhere near the skills I need to be playing this game. This is how I feel sometimes <laughs> when I think about my faith. And it's okay if you feel that way too, right? It's okay if sometimes when we hear about people in the Bible, or we hear about Christian leaders. I read a lot of books from Christian leaders, and sometimes I feel like they're just trying to punch me in the gut and tell me I'm not good enough. You know, because we do, we feel so insecure about our achievements, about what we have done. So I think, I think what happened was Paul somehow from the past heard me crying like a little baby when I was reading this, saw me curled up in the fetal position in the corner, sucking my thumb, and he's like, okay, hang on a second. Let me just let me bring it back down to you a little bit. And he goes on to verse 12. And he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting what is past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. One of my favorite passages. He's saying, look, he hops off his little Christian pedestal for a second, he says, look, let me be real. I'm not there. I haven't done this yet. This is what I want, but this is not where I'm at. I still have a long way to go. In fact, other places, he gets even more expressive about how far he hasn't come. In fact, ch check out this uh, couple of verses in Romans chapter 7. He's, he's talking about himself, and he says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. 
I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now that is a Paul that I can get behind. That's a Paul I can resonate with, right? This is more like us. So Paul knows he isn't perfect. He's like us. In fact, he once called himself the lowest of the low. He knows his weaknesses. He knows he's got a long way to go. But he also doesn't just sit and despair about that. He doesn't just throw up his hands and say, oh man, I am useless. I can't do this. No, instead he says, look, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to try because it's worth it. I'm going to try because it's worth it. And this is how he does it. He forgets what's behind, and instead he looks ahead. He keeps his focus on the ultimate prize. Have you ever noticed how often we look back, and we don't look back at how, like, you know, sometimes we get introspective and we look back at the things that have happened in our life. And we're supposed to look back and kind of say, okay, this is the things I did well and I didn't. Here's what I can learn from them. Here's what I can make me stronger, right? That's not what we do. That's not what we do at all. We look back and we say, yeah, I messed up there. I messed up there. I messed up there. I'm, I can't do this thing. This thing that is in front of me, I can't do that because of all of this stuff back there. This is what Satan, the enemy of God, the enemy of us is trying to remind us of all of the things we can't do so that we won't do the things that we actually can do. And so Paul says, look, I'm going to forget all of that. <clears throat> not that I'm not going to learn from my mistakes, but I'm going to forget what is behind, but I'm going to press on to what is ahead, to that ultimate prize, to knowing God fully, to that wonderful day when either Jesus comes back or I go to him and then I'm perfected. Like that verse Liam read this morning. He's confident that God will finish that work on the day of Christ Jesus, on the day we either meet him or he comes to meet us. We're going to be perfected. And he's looking forward to that moment. It's like, yes, then I get to be with God. None of the sin stuff's going to get in the way. None of my mistakes, none of this other stuff's going to matter. All I am is me and God and together. That's what he's looking forward to. That's the prize, and it pushes him forward. You remember the clip from Kung Fu Panda? <clears throat> you remember the, the, the saying, we focus on doing Kung Fu when you really, really focus on it? You stink. When we focus on being Christians, when we focus on doing better, when we focus on following the rules or trying to live better lives, when we focus on that, we stink. <laughs> We're really bad. There's a few other words I could throw in there for how we do with that, but I'm not going to. We need a different focus. The panda needed food. That would probably work for me too, actually. But we need to focus on the prize. That's what draws us forward. And then when we focus on that, what happens? We get better. So you still get the same result of getting better. That's still important. But the focus is on him. The focus is on drawing ourselves as close to him as we can get, to putting our lives in his hands, 
to identifying ourselves as his. And if that is what rules our lives, then everything else will follow along. Seek first the kingdom of God, right? Everything else will follow along. We need a bit of Paul's perspective. We need to first abandon the identity of our achievements. Put it in a box, put it in the attic, set it on fire, flush it down the toilet, right? The things that we have achieved, they might be nice, but they're not who we are. Who we are begins in Genesis chapter 1, when God says, let us make people in our image. That's where our identity is. We tripped up a little bit in Genesis 3. Jesus pulled that back again in the Gospels. We're back to that point now. We're made in the image of God. That's who we are. And then we set our eyes, our minds on the ultimate prize. And above all, we need to acknowledge, as Paul acknowledges here, and this is where I wanted to go the whole time, this is a process. It's a process. If you ask Paul when he was at his peak of being a Christian, he would say the last moment of his life. Right? It didn't happen right after he became a Christian. It didn't happen right after he went to that really cool seminar on being a Christian didn't happen right after that camp or after that really powerful service or it didn't happen after that 15th time where he rededicated himself, you know. It didn't happen in those moments. It happened throughout his life. It's a process. And every time what he did, every day when he got up, he's like, I'm not there. But I'm not going to look behind. I'm going to look ahead. I'm going to take my next step. This is why our vision for Church Northwest is helping each other take our next step towards Jesus. That's what it is. It is moving forward in a direction towards Jesus, but just one step at a time, because that's all we can do. Whether, and I've said this before, whether we've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, or whether we don't even know who Jesus is, the only thing that we can do is take one more step. And everybody has another step to take. That is where we're all together in this, which is why we're also helping each other in this. That's what our church is all about. So what are our next steps? Right? What's the next step? I can't actually answer that for you completely because everybody's step is different. But we want to be a community where we can help each other take those next steps. So there's a couple of things that I want to throw out there for you to consider, to think about. The first is, we need to take stock of our trophies. We kind of brought this in a little bit earlier. Have a think about what you would put on the wall, what you kind of identify yourself as. Have a think about that. What is your prize? What is the thing that you are yearning for? What is the thing that gets you up out of bed and moves you forward? So have a think about that. Be honest with yourself about that. Don't beat yourself up if it's not quite in line with what Paul had, okay? I tell you, not every morning do I get up and say, wow, Jesus, I'm all you today. I don't really want to tell you how often that happens. You know what I mean? We, we are not perfect. But what we can do is realign ourselves. And part of that takes stock of actually, do I really want that? Do I really believe this? Am I really on board with this? And the second thing, and this is something that we can do as a community, I really highly, highly, highly 
highly recommend getting into a community with others so that we can help each other identify our next steps together. I may know my next step or I may not. I may need someone to help me flesh that out. This is why we have community. This is why God created the church. He is community. We are community. So there's a couple of things that we can do along those lines. One is we can get into a small group. We already have one small group started. Nate and Whitney are leading that small group. Um, and you guys say you've got a little bit room for some more people, maybe one or two people. A little, 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 little bit. That's good, because you don't want to overload a group either, otherwise it doesn't function the way it should. But we are starting another group. We're trying to get one off the ground, and we're in discussions about that, so there is room for everybody in a group. If you want to be in a group, we'll get you in a group. Um, so you can uh, talk to one of us or hit up hello at churchnorthwest.nz is our email address, um, or just go to the website, whatever. You can communicate with us. We'll get you sorted. The other thing you can do is get together with one or two other people and more of a peer connection. These are really important too because then you can really dive deep with each other. And this is a, a really important thing. Jesus did this even with two or three of his disciples. He really dug deep with them. And we could do that with each other, help our, take our next steps together. So these are some things just for you to have a think about as we go through. But the key is that just like Paul, we recognize we're not there. We're okay that we're not complete. We're not full yet. We're not perfect yet. But we leave what is behind, including our achievements, including our sense of who we are before, and we look forward to who we are in Jesus. Yeah? All right, let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for giving us passages like this. Sometimes it takes us on a bit of an emotional roller coaster of guilt and shame and then encouragement and blessing, but we thank you for giving us people like Paul who were inspired by his relationship with you to draw closer to you, to give us something to shoot for, to give us an example to follow, but also the humility to know that we're never going to be perfect until we meet you. And, and we're going to try, but we need your help. And thank you also, Lord, and I know I didn't mention this in the message, but thank you that we do not do this ourselves. Whether we have our community or not, we have you, your spirit, who you are is in us, living in us, guiding us, strengthening us. We just thank you. Never leave us alone. You never leave it, just. this is just up to us to do. And you'll go on ahead and we have to try and keep up with you and if we don't, we're, we're stuffed. That's not how it works. You are with us always. Thank you that we have that. Thank you that we have you. Thank you we have each other. And thank you that we have a purpose and a meaning in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen.